Had you actually read the email, you would know that the podcast you are about to listen to could contain explicit language and offensive content. These HR experts' views are not representative of their past, present, or future employers. If you've ever heard, my manager is unfair to me, I need you to reset my HR portal password, or can I write up my employee for crying too much? Welcome to our little safe zone. Welcome to Jaded HR. Welcome to Jaded HR, the podcast by three HR professionals who want to help you get through the workday by saying all the things you're thinking, but say them out loud. I'm Warren. Uh, this is Feathers. And this is David. All righty. As you can hear, we have a very special guest today, David Miklas. He's a labor and employment attorney down in Florida. We were just talking offline that he is a double gator, and we're not going to hold that against him. But uh, <laughs> No, it just means he's smart. Special. Warren, just means he's smarter than us. <laughs> like, uh, we went to a directional okay. university. Yeah. Like to the flagship university. It's much different than our directional school. <laughs> directional school. That's new. <laughs> That's new. Well, David, he specializes in uh, defending discrimination, harassment, retaliation, EOC, FSLA, and other types of cases. He's a noted speaker on HR-related uh, topics, and he's also one of my favorite LinkedIn contributors. I make sure I try and find his posts on a daily basis. So welcome aboard, David. Ah, oh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right. I or was just we, thinking. I might cut uh, you off for him. I was just thinking of the things that he shoot. actually defends. Like, do you ever sleep? <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been pretty busy, especially the last two years. Yeah. So we have a key word here. We don't say. We just call it the c word, and that's the um, yeah. <laughs> that's the pandemic thing going on. We just yep, we just yeah. That's that's become our that's become one of our seven dirty words. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. I'm I'm happy not talking about that. Yeah, you know, we we got bogged down in some of that sea stuff earlier, but I'm glad to, to get back to just fun, just stuff. normal, That's just being, about. just complaining about things, just being jaded. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> you can't, you can't be yeah. in uh, HR for too long without having a, a jaded attitude. I don't think, at least in a in a real world. But uh, we talked a little bit earlier, David, about uh, your posts on LinkedIn. You've been, I'll classify some of what you've put out there as preventive. Uh, lawyering, getting uh, your labor and uh, employment attorney involved in issues much quicker. And you had a story even, I think, this week about, you know, just spending a little up front saves a lot in the end. Give us a couple of stories and highlights of things that people maybe done, tried to maybe DIY when they shouldn't DIY. <laughs> yeah, probably the, the most prevalent problem that I encounter is... Uh trying to be really cheap and just downloading their own handbook or, or borrowing or stealing one. And almost always it, it includes illegal language. <laughs> I asked two questions at the very beginning when someone says, oh yeah, I got a good handbook. The first question I ask is, you know, how many employees do you have? Oh, I have 30. Okay. Do you have an FMLA policy in there? Oh yeah, we do. And I'm thinking, e what do you, this is, this is a problem, you know, <laughs> FMLA for a private company or a nonprofit's not required unless you have 50 or more. And so that's, that's one Real quick, easy thing where I know, okay, most likely the rest of that handbook's garbage. And then my second question usually involves, you know, is, it, is there some language in that handbook that says that it's it's prohibited for employees to discuss their wages? Oh, yeah, we oh. got that too. And so those are the first two things. I'm like, okay, well, there's a National Labor Relations Act violation. 
So usually <laughs> that's the first thing I say, okay, we need to get you a new handbook. New but but the other than the handbook issues, two common things I, I usually encounter are, especially with small businesses, but not exclusively, sometimes HR people don't realize this, but one of the things is where they just say, well, I can fire this employee because this is at will. And, you know, I, <laughs> that's I, my favorite. I can fire for any that's, reason. That's my and favorite. I'm like, hold up. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's for any reason except for a discriminatory or retaliatory <laughs> reason. And that last part is the most important part. And then other than that, it's probably if someone says, well, I, I, I'm going to fire Susie because it's during her probationary period. I, you know, I could fire her for anything. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You told me Susie's pregnant. You told me that she complained about you know, some issue at work, you know, just because it's the probationary period doesn't mean it's carte blanche to, to mm. do whatever you want. And that's a very common thing. And I, Even I having a that, probationary period. Exactly. I mean, to, to me, honestly, after doing this for 23 years, the only benefit that I can see about, I, I see, I see a benefit for having it, but thinking that you should fire someone in the probationary period, the only benefit that I can really see it from a practical perspective is that if you fire someone, first of all, if you have a written probationary period, and if you make them aware of it during the very beginning when you hire them, at least in Florida, um, if you if they file for unemployment compensation after you fire them during that probationary period, they're going to get it, and the employer doesn't get charged. So that's a right. that's a win win. But other than that, I mean, it doesn't matter if you fire them on day three or day one hundred and fifty or day two thousand. Either it's employment at will, or you still need cause one way or the other. It doesn't matter. So. That's a very confusing thing for a lot of businesses, and they, they don't call HR. They don't call an HR consultant. They don't call an, uh, an employment attorney like me early enough, and it just gets more expensive when a problem comes up later on that they easily could have prevented. Yeah. Yeah, just, just call, yeah, a couple hundred dollars an hour, whatever the attorney charges is a lot less expensive than a lawsuit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I don't think they have any idea, like, it's exponentially more expensive. Like if there's a demand letter, usually I don't even get involved for less than $5,000. It's like, you know, no matter what my rate is, we could talk for half an hour and an hour and you're saving a ton of money. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that goes, it's not just me, you know, almost any employment lawyer in America, even New York city and, you know, LA, even if they're charging 800, $1,000 an hour, you're still saving a ton of money. If you can prevent something um, before it's either a EEOC charge of discrimination or a Department of Labor investigation or even a demand letter from a, a plaintiff's lawyer getting involved. And and sort of you you walked a little bit into or right into our our main topic of the day. I wanted to discuss, I don't know how many episodes Feathers and I or even Patrick have talked about stupid caseless we hear that someone's discriminating because of someone wearing braids or something just completely ridiculous and stupid. And, you know, we always joke that, hey, when the EEOC actually takes the case versus giving you the right to sue letter, you're screwed. But uh, you've, you've come up with a couple cases where the EEOC has lost. And I'm really interested to hear about this. I want to see if there's some whys. What, what, did they not have all the info ahead of time? Was the, the, the complainant maybe not the most honest or truthful in their complaint that was later discovered? I, I'm just, I'm really curious because sure. this is, yeah, this okay. is just... A fun uh, topic, a little bit different than what we've ever done. Sure. And I know it's a podcast, so we're not going to be doing a slideshow. I, I speak a lot and I, I have this kind of stuff in my slides, but I, I kind of want to give a little bit of background so that anyone listening on a treadmill or driving down the road or whatever, <laughs> they can at least get a, a feel for these two cases I'm going to talk about. So in general, 
I want you to think if you know what the answer is without saying it. Does the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, does it require automatic reassignment to another position? So here's a fact pattern. A 20-year employee suffered from a gait uh, dysfunction, from spinal stenosis and a hip replacement. So basically, they have a disability. She provides a doctor's note requiring that she use a cane. The employer determines that, you know, the use of the cane posed a safety hazard in her specific department. She actually worked in the, the psychiatric ward of a hospital. And they figured, okay, if, if the, some of these patients get a hold of that cane, that could really be dangerous. So the employee sought a reasonable accommodation in the form of a job reassignment to another department where she could use her cane. And so th that begs the question, does the employer have to just transfer her or is it adequate to give her the opportunity to apply for other jobs for the employer, you know, but let her compete for them? And this is, this is a real case. It came out of Florida. It's EEOC versus St. Joseph's Hospital. It's a hospital in Tampa, Florida. And basically when the employee, when, when the employee did not use the 30-day time period that the business, that the hospital gave her to, to get another job, then, then they terminated her. And then, of course, she filed an EEOC charge. They found cause, and then the EEOC decided this is one of the cases that they want to make an example out of the employer, and they decided to sue on her behalf. So who won? Well, we're talking about this because I, th I think we know <laughs> that the EEOC did not win. But let me walk you through it. The EEOC argued that the ADA mandates non-competitive reassignment. So on appeal, this went up to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. That's the Deep South. The 11th Circuit rejected the EEOC's argument and found that the ADA does not require reassignment without competition for or preferential treatment of the disabled. And, and I have two quotes out of the case. One says, the ADA provides that subject to exceptions irrelevant here, an employer must reasonably accommodate a disabled employee, but it does not say how an employer must do that. It offers a non-exhaustive list of accommodations that, quote, may be reasonable. And one item on the list is reassignment to a vacant position. The ADA does not say or imply that reassignment is always reasonable. And then the second quote, requiring reassignment in violation of an employer's best qualified hiring or transfer policy is not reasonable in the run of cases. As things generally run, employers operate their businesses for profit, which requires efficiency and good performance. Passing over the best qualified job applicant in favor of a less qualified one is not a reasonable way to promote efficiency or good performance. Now, there was a footnote, and a lot of lawyers won't mention this footnote, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't mention it. It said, just because reassignment to a vacant position in violation of an employer's best qualified hiring practice is not always required as a reasonable accommodation, this does not mean that it will never be. A plaintiff can show that special circumstances warrant a finding that reassignment is a required accommodation under the particular facts of her case, but the employee in this in this case, you know, failed to show those circumstances. So, we're, I mentioned this is the 11th Circuit, so this is Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. Now, different places in the country are seeing this differently. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals covers Arkansas, Iowa, Minnesota, M Missouri, Nebraska, North and South Dakota, and that's similar to the 11th Circuit. <laughs> Basically, the Eighth has held that the ADA is not an affirmative action statute and does not require an employer to reassign a qualified disabled employee to a vacant position when such a reassignment would violate a legitimate non-discriminatory policy of the employer to hire the most qualified candidate. Now, the Seventh Circuit, which is Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin, held that the ADA mandates 
reassignment of disabled employees to vacant positions unless the employer can prove an undue hardship. Now, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals has not addressed this, and that's Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So I bring this up because the EEOC clearly lost down here in Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, and also throughout the Eighth Circuit, but they're still bringing these cases, and they're going to keep bringing them. And that's part of what they do. They want to make law. They want to maybe change law. So I would not ever think, okay, well, you know, we don't have to reassign anyone who's disabled. You know, they can apply. You can see even in this case that came out in 11th Circuit, there's a footnote that says, you know, not always, you know, maybe you still have to do it. So this is one that that the EEOC lost, but they bring these things sometimes because they they want to make law. They want it to be a cutting edge issue and they want to push the envelope. Certainly now we have President Biden, and he's been very clear that he wants, he's going to be the most pro-employee president in our country's history, I think, at least in, in several generations. So we are seeing all kinds of things with the EEOC, the NLRB, Department of Labor, everything you can imagine since the PRO Act isn't getting passed. He's trying to figure out other ways to get it in. And we're seeing that kind of stuff. So you're going to see the EEOC pushing the envelope on on other issues. They'll probably come back to this one, but... LGBT rights, all this other kind of stuff, anything that's cutting edge, they're going to be pushing it. And maybe they'll win, maybe they'll lose some cases. But these are the kind of cases that they lose, where where they're trying to make law. And like this one, okay, it's not working in Florida. It's not working in Georgia or Alabama anymore. But if you're in some other place where the Circuit Court of Appeals hasn't been crystal clear on it, they're going to keep pushing it. And it wouldn't surprise me if they pushed it again in one of these states, thinking, okay, well, the facts are a little bit different now. Maybe that footnote applies. So, you know, the EEOC California doesn't or lose New York often. or Connecticut, or those type areas are, I, I can see that going through very swiftly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's interesting. So, but yeah. Did, did, did you want to talk about oh, anything no. else or do you want me to? I, I just thought it was really interesting because that is a, a common employee misconception. Oh, I, I'm disabled or I'm just temporarily I'm on workers' comp. I need reassigned. You don't have to create a new job for them regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, if there is something great, and I think most employers would do what they can if there's an open job that are qualified for, hey, I'd, I have this known entity that I can slide in and potentially work out. Maybe there's some training and development involved, but hey, you've got to a known quantity, unless it's a bad known quantity that uh, you can do. And I think just common sense and most employers are going to do that, but I'm not going to create a job out of thin air. And I think that's what some employees expect when they are on, when they have a disability or a uh, a, a worker's comp situation, a mm-hmm. light duty situation. I mean, by all means, we're, we're human. We're going to do what we can to be just and fair to employees, but it doesn't we can't just create a something out of thin air. Oh, you're going to pull paper clips out of old files for the next six months until you're, or whatever. That, that, that doesn't work. Well, well, like what you just said, the six months thing. Yeah, that works for workers' comp. But mm-hmm. if, you, a true if you have a disability, it may not ever get any better. I mean, this person here might be walking with a cane for the rest of her life. You know, some of these disabilities, it, it'll, it, could, it, it gets progressively worse. So sometimes you can maybe make work for workers' comp for a little while, but sometimes it's struggling, especially if you're a bigger employer and you have multiple people out on leave mm-hmm. or out, out for different disabilities or out on workers' comp. You know, there's only so much you can actually make. So it's nice to know where that line is as to what you're required to do and what you're not required to do. But yeah, still, it's, you know, 
every fact pattern is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So you can't even take this case and, and say, okay, well, this is the way it's going to be moving forward. It can guide you, but you know, any ADA issue, you have to still conduct an individualized assessment. You have to look at, so you don't treat everyone with cancer the same way. You don't treat, you know, mm -hmm. everyone with a broken leg the same way. You have to look at what is this particular employee's specific needs. Right. Right. And another thing you mentioned that it, you know, that happened down in Florida and uh, the ruling was in Florida, but also the the judicial circuits change. Look, you know, both Feathers and I, our, our office locations are in Virginia. And I did a labor and employment seminar with some Virginia-based lawyers, and they say Virginia is turning to the next California, where it used to be a super employee-friendly, <laughs> employer, excuse me, employer-friendly mm -hmm. state where all these great laws that, that protect employers, and now it's coming to be the exact opposite. And it's, it's interesting. So, uh, you know, that can also is appointments change to these appellate and Supreme Courts, uh, you know, the, the tide can change in these, these areas. And Maybe the Fourth Circuit in Virginia is another one that, hey, it, it could start changing over here versus where as employer-friendly as they once were. So I always find that stuff interesting. Yeah, and, you know, when the EEOC decides to sue, they pick and choose which cases they're going to mm -hmm. sue. They don't, I mean, there's plenty of cases that are so-so that they don't actually sue, especially if the employee already has a lawyer, they let them handle it usually. But if they want to push the law or they want to splash it on the news, They'll they'll pick the cases that they think they're usually going to win, and and that's why they have. And I can't remember what Keith Sunderling said. Either it's ninety two percent or ninety four percent or ninety six percent, but they have a tremendously high success rate. When they sue you, their chances are they're going to win. And <laughs> they've got an army of lawyers, and this is all that they do. And unless you ha have a ton of money to defend these things, you're really going uh, David and Goliath here. <laughs> Settle quick. <laughs> well, that's that's what happens when they find cause. Uh, then they try and strong arm you into that settlement they call conciliation. But you don't have to agree to that stuff. But if you don't, then you're rolling the dice. Either they can sue or else maybe they don't. And they just issue the cause finding and, and the right to sue. Mm. Yeah. So you want to hear about the second case? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and you, you mentioned something about braids. So this kind of goes along uh, the, those lines. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give... I'm gonna, give you a, a grooming policy and I, I want you to think uh. about it because I guarantee you most of your listeners probably have a policy something like this. All personnel are expected to be dressed and groomed in a manner that projects a professional and business-like image while adhering to company and industry standards and or guidelines. Hairstyle should reflect a business slash professional image. Mm -hmm. No excessive hairstyles or unusual colors are accepted or acceptable. So, we have a black female who applies for a job, and she's not the only one that applies for the job. There's multiple applicants, and sometimes there's a panel, and there's, you know, you're hiring 10 people that day, and, and they, they call her on down, and they congratulate her. She's one of the people that they're going to offer a position to, and they say, you know what? All you have to do is cut your, cut, cut your dreadlocks. Well, first of all, they, 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 they actually ask, say you know, that? Yeah. You know, first of all, the HR director, it's, it's a white woman, and she's, she's like, are those dreadlocks in your hair? I mean... Why are you even asked that question? Of course you could see what they are. She's like three feet in front of her. And then she said, yeah. And she said, well, you know, we, we can't hire you with, quote, with the dreadlocks. Because with, I like that. With the get, dreadlocks. Yes. <laughs> and then the explanation is because they tend to get messy. Oh. Although I'm not saying yours are, but you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. You so know what I mean. The woman, yeah. Yeah, the woman says, well, I'm not, I'm not going to cut my dreadlocks. And she said, well, well, that's really all you have to do. You know, we just hired an, a black guy not too long ago, and he cut his dreadlocks, <laughs> and he's working for us. 
And she said, sorry, I'm not cutting my hair. <laughs> so, of course, they didn't hire her. And then she files the EEOC charge, and the EEOC decided that they're going to pursue this. And they sued. And it, it's also 11th Circuit case. It's EEOC versus CMS, which is Catastrophe Management Solutions. And uh, this is a 2016 case when it went up to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. But I'll tell you what the arguments were. The EEOC argued that dreadlocks are a method of hairstyling suitable for the texture of black hair and are culturally associated with black persons, thus supporting a race discrimination claim. Okay. Now, the lower court, the district court, dismissed the lawsuit. So the EEOC's got a ton of army of, of lawyers, so they appealed. And then the appellate court rejected the EEOC's claim, explaining that Title VII prohibits discrimination based on immutable traits, i.e., those that an employee is born with or cannot change. And then the lawsuit claimed that the dreadlocks were culturally associated with race, but did not claim that the dreadlocks were an immutable characteristic of black people, of black persons. Now, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals cautioned employers that the distinction between immutable and mutable characteristics of race can sometimes be a fine and difficult one. So, for example, discrimination on the basis of black hair texture an immutable characteristic, is prohibited by Title VII, while adverse action on the basis of black hairstyle, a mutable choice, is not. So this is one that the EEOC lost. Now, this was back wow. at the appellate level in 2016, and then on December 5th, 2017, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals declined to reconsider as a full court. So that's the law of the land down here in, in Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. But what has happened since 2016? A lot new of laws. states mm -hmm. in, in New York City and, you know, different cities, especially progressive ones, have passed laws, you know, the Crown Act, you know, to, to, to prohibit discrimination based on hairstyle. hairstyle. And so that's different. You know, that's it, it's legislation to fill a void where the court is, is not moving that direction. Now, just because the EEOC lost this here doesn't mean that they can't try this somewhere else. In fact, they could try this exact same case right here in the 11th Circuit again. And they could get a different outcome. And I'll tell you how. Sure, there's some white people that have dreadlocks or cornrows mm -hmm. or whatever, an afro. But I bet you there's a lot more black people that do. So I think if they had brought this claim as a disparate impact claim instead of a disparate treatment claim, we might have a different result. Now, I asked Vicki Lipnick, who is the, the chairperson for, for the EEOC a couple years ago uh, when I saw her at a conference, why the EEOC did not bring this. And uh, she really couldn't give me a lot of specific details because I think there's appeal still going on. <laughs> but the, the, the take-home message I got was perhaps the facts did not line up to allow them to bring a disparate impact claim. Now, disparate impact means even if you have a facially neutral policy, it can have a, a disparate impact or an unfair impact on one protected class. So, like I said, you know, there's probably a lot more black people that wear dreadlocks than white people. Mm -hmm. So that kind of policy probably could violate the law if it was brought even today, even if there's not any kind of hair statute that applies. It could easily go the other way if the facts are just slightly different. Yeah, I, you know, in a previous episode, we were talking about the braids. And, you know, I was just when they created these laws that not to discriminate on hairstyle, I was like, who who the hell does that? What? Why do you need a law that says this? And here we've got, in the last two weeks, we discussed two cases why mm -hmm. you need such a law. Yeah, 
I, I would tend to believe it was racially motivated at some way. You got to cut your dreadlocks. I don't care. Can you do the job? <laughs> That's can can you do the, the job? Whatever that disaster company does, can you do what we're asking to do? Okay. Well, your hair getting caught up in machinery? Nope. Okay. Let's well, you know, <laughs> UPS a couple of years ago, it came out right around New Year's. And there's a lot of news going on. I think part of the election, so it, a lot of people didn't realize it, but they settled a case for over five million dollars. And it involved a case where they allowed men with long hair and, and with beards to work for them, but they didn't allow them to drive the big brown trucks. So basically, they, they put them in the back. They, mm. they didn't have any customer-facing positions. And this ended up having a problem because, you know, you're going to have some Muslims that, that don't cut their hair and they have long hair. They have beards or even Pentecostal Christians. You know, there's different religions. And in Rastaf there's actually Rastafarian in there also. So, so you get both race. You got black. He was a black gentleman and also religion as as a grounds. And, you know, that's why they ended up selling because they probably realized that they're not going to win that mm -hmm. case. So, I mean, it's not enough to just hire, you know, certain minorities and stick them in the back room where no one could see them. You know, that's that's not good enough. And if the EOC kind of gets wind of what you're doing, they, they can dig in and, and you know, bring it out because they, they publish this stuff on their Web page and. Last thing you want is when someone Googles your, your business, to, yeah, for the next five years, probably showing up on the first page of Google, all these EEOC press releases. Yeah, I mean, and and look what's happening to Tesla right now. I mean, they're they're getting run through the ringer, whether deservedly or undeservedly. I, I, I read that the other day, and I was just sort of thinking, this is so insane. It almost has to be made up, but I've been shocked before. I can't. I can't well, see. It, didn't their owner smoke pot on on a uh, uh, broadcast Rogan. somewhere? Yeah. So, uh, nothing would surprise me. <laughs> you know, swastikas and KKK and the words and terms they use. I mean, this is the 21st century, people. I I want to not believe it because it's so abhorrent. However, I I almost have to think this. It's a distinct possibility. You can't be in this industry too long without saying, oh, yeah, that that could happen. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, Warren, what you said is exactly right. If someone, even if someone has a master's degree in, in, in HR management and if they're fresh out of school and don't have any real <laughs> experience, you know, I maybe the, they're wearing the rosy glasses and they, they think, oh, this doesn't go on anymore. I'm 25 years old and I've never seen this. But if you've been doing this long enough, you, you realize... <laughs> Crazy stuff always happens. It constantly happens, and it, it just makes you shake your head. But you know, someone's doing something crazy out there somewhere. I mean, I keep seeing nooses in the workplace. I mean, it's usually Alabama or somewhere in the South. But here we are in 2022, and we're still reading about, you know, some workplace where they're hanging a noose. We heard about it in NASCAR. I mean, it's just crazy oh, yeah. stuff. that's right. NASCAR. And, well, Virginia's former governor and senator who had the the noose blackface? and the Confederate yeah. flag. Oh, no, not uh, well, that's, a previous yeah. before the blackface. Uh, we got a lot of goodies. Uh, you had the noose and the Confederate flag in his office. And I was like, really, dude? I Yeah, I've—it's made very clear to parents and me that it doesn't matter how you get up, they're still idiots on every level. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, like, what's that? I, actually, that's, that's part of the problem that I think you two have as a career and probably most of the people <laughs> listening to this podcast is, you might know. I mean, you go to these conferences, you know the crazy things that you can't do and you tell your managers. But at the end of the day, if the C-suite doesn't take Listen. your advice, 
you could drag that horse to the water, but there's only so much that you can do. And then at that point, you're kind of documenting it as a CYA. But mm -hmm. if the president, I mean, look, look what's going on with all this tech industry, Blizzard and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. They're coming out of Silicon Valley and they're doing whatever the heck they want. And, you know, it's only a matter of time before you, you get sued for doing this kind of stuff nowadays. You Why? could do that in the 90s, not in the... Not yeah, you can't run no your business phones. like a frat, frat party. Oh, that's too bad, because those were fun Those were fun days. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, think, I, I worked... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think we, we've talked about this before, but I think about all the shenanigans, for lack of better terms, that's going on with one of the NFL teams in Washington. Like, like how... Yeah. <laughs> well, did... You probably heard this, but you know how they fired all their cheerleaders, don't you? Zoom. Yep. Over yeah, Zoom. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and the worst thing about, I mean, I understand with the pandemic, maybe it's needed, but the worst thing is that he turned off the video and, and muted them. So they couldn't ask Respond. any questions yeah. and that he didn't have to, I mean, it's just like, when I gave a presentation, I, I had the cowardly line in the background because <laughs> it's like, this is not how you fire someone. Yeah, it, and you know, then it happened again with uh, Better dot com, another Zoom layoff, and uh, like, uh, what are what are people thinking? Why you know, you're, you're, you're implying that people way. are thinking, Warren. People aren't thinking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I I just I can't fathom some of these things. And you know, one of the the great things I I get out of reading uh, your articles on LinkedIn and uh, John Hyman and uh, Suzanne and all the just. How stupid can people be? That's that's usually what the takeaway when I'm reading these articles. And I've mentioned before, that's the first thing I do after I respond to my emails and put out any fires in the morning is I jump on LinkedIn and I looked at all the all's articles. I'm just like, wow, you know, it's just how, how, I'm why, what? <laughs> I'm convinced that there's like three categories of situations. One where the company is just small and doesn't have any HR sure. and is just ignorant yep. and has no idea of what they're doing. And then two, maybe you have someone in HR, but maybe it's a HR department of one and they're juggling five different things, mm -hmm. you know, ma you know, jack of all trades, master of none. And, you know, things are going to fall through the cracks. And then the third one is, well, I guess there's four. Third one <laughs> is if, if the CEO or, or the president of the company just ignores what HR says. Um, but then sometimes the fourth one could be where you have someone who's SHRM or HRCI certified, has been doing this for 20, 30 years. And they kind of get the God complex where they're done learning at this point and they think they know everything and, you know, it's their way or the highway. I mean, these are the kind of people that at least my clients that where I have some that are like that, they have the butts in the seat mentality and they're like, oh no, you, you've got to come back to work. I don't care that, mm. that you have lupus and you're <laughs> afraid to come to work because everyone, you know, just got COVID. It's, it's like, listen, the butts in the seat thing you have to make, you know, a reasonable accommodation. So if someone has a disability, you know, there's certain things that you can't just keep those blinders on. And, and two things about what you said, the, the person number one, you know, they're, they're too small, but I, I, I will contend that 90% of HR is common sense. You know, you just do the right thing. You, you, you know, it, it's not that hard. Now for the 10% that is hard, we got attorneys like you, Hey, mm -hmm. give a, give a friendly call and say, Hey, I'm in this pickle of a situation. What do I do? What should I do? But also for for situation, I forget whether there's three or four of the the 30 year HR veterans who know it all. People don't understand how much the HR world 
ch- has changed. I remember, I remember in college per- called in, personnel, mm-hmm. wasn't it? <laughs> it was well in in college we learned a case study that I think we had to do with American Airlines, where it was the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that uh, you could not have same sex male on male harassment. Oh, and then also there was another case we learned. Uh, that you couldn't have subordinate to superior harassment or anything. But now that's all changed. Think the industry is very dynamic, whether people want to think it is or not. The, the laws are always changing. Best practices are changing. Technology is changing. You, you, you can't stagnate and, you know, just mm. have that God complex. It, I know it the all. The piece of advice I give almost all my new clients, especially the small ones, where maybe they don't actually have uh, a SHRM certified or HRCI certified individual working for them, I say, no problem. Every county in Florida and probably anywhere in the country has some type of HR association, whether it's a SHRM chapter, whether it's a non-SHRM affiliated chapter. There's one nearby, and for usually 25 bucks, you can go to a lunch. You don't have to go every month, but they have meetings every month. People like me come and speak. I speak all around Florida to all the different SHRM chapters, and, you know, if you go there, you're going to hear one time maybe about, um, you know, insurance, another time about culture, another time about DEI, another time about, you know, employment laws. So, I mean, you really can keep on top of things for really inexpensive, you mm-hmm. know, uh, investment. I, I think that it's a no-brainer that these people, everyone that's in HR should be going to at least their SHRM chapter or their HR chapter because at the very least, you can network with other HR professionals and maybe you don't have to call your employment lawyer and spend some money. Maybe you call Susie, who, who's done this for 10 years longer than you, and maybe she's encountered something that you haven't, and you can bounce it off her. Exactly. exactly. Or him. <laughs> it's funny. Some of these things say him, but the reality is when I speak at any of these HR conferences, there's 99% women in the room. Yeah. And I'm usually the only guy or maybe one or two other guys, but it's almost always a female-dominated room. Oh, absolutely. We're, in that case, Feathers and I are the minority in a HR leadership-type role. I've only That's worked... why you went into that field, right? <laughs> no, no, no. That would be I, wrong. <laughs> no. You know. <laughs> I'm being discriminated I will against. Have... <laughs> but, I, you know, it's it just... You know, the things people come up with, it just, it really, it really blows my mind. But, uh, you know, we're, I I don't want to go too much longer, but you mentioned you do a lot of speaking. Earlier this year, I did a a conference, a teleconference by an HRS system, and you were one of the speakers. And I will say that of the five or six speakers I listened to that day, you were the only one who gave real world advice, not the touchy-feely bullshit HR that uh, I despise and loathe too much and use all the fun buzzwords and things like that. It's it's funny. When I speak, sometimes I'm the only speaker there, but sometimes there's like multiple concurrent sessions going. So I might get put in one room and you could hear the next room over. It's one of these like touchy-feely things where maybe we got Tom Topping or someone else who's like riling up the group and their room is like hooting and hollering and, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy, you know, I'm not going to ask all these questions and, and leave you, leaving the, the conference with more questions than, than you came in with. You know, I try to, you know, give you basically the nuts and bolts, just like I give my clients real world advice. Cause at the end of the day, I was always taught, well, well, don't, don't give them everything, Dave, you know, you need to hold something back. So they hire you. What the, 
listen, there's so many people screwing this stuff up. I'm busy <laughs> and I'm giving away all this stuff for free. So it's not hurting, you know, me getting any work or anything. I'm trying to help as many people as possible because so many people are screwing it up as it is. Uh, That's yeah, why I asked you the yeah, question earlier. Are. Like, do you sleep at all? <laughs> like, I, like your caseload has to be just ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I, I'm also curious, would it be easier to be an attorney in your position, say, in a very employer-friendly state like uh, Florida or uh, employer-friendly state, or maybe in California, where you've got umpteen billion new rules and it's like the most ridiculous employee-friendly type situation? I mean, wow, wow. I, I just well, uh, I can't understand. I can tell you now that it's very difficult for me to keep – I mean, I'm a labor and employment attorney. A lot of people say that they are, but they really just do one or the other. Mm -hmm. they, they mainly just do employment law. They don't do anything with unions. And, and it's really, really tough to keep up with, with the pulse of everything that's going on. Now, in California, I, I don't see how you really can do all of employment law because <laughs> it's so nuanced. I mean, you're going to have someone that's just an expert, just in like FMLA, then the special state FMLA, and that's it. Then you have someone else who's just dealing with ERISA. And someone else who's just dealing with the ADA and like those kinds of, or the paid, you know, it's very, very difficult to keep up with so many moving parts like California. I mean, that's why there's a new Sherm uh, title. It's a new, new, yeah, certification just for California because it's like a different world. <laughs> I feel, I feel different tough world. for those folks out there. I had one of my clients that wanted to open up their business out in California and I, I drafted an independent contractor agreement for, for the people over here that, well, they, they, they couldn't open up business in California. We got them on the phone with, with some specialists out in California and said, there's no way that these people are going to be independent contractors out here in California. So he, he couldn't compete, you know, if he had to hire them as employees and pay them mm -hmm. in that manner. So he, he just isn't operating in California, which that's not the way you should be doing business. I mean, but it's, that's California. it's like a different country, actually. That's California. And there was an article with Colorado's new wage law. Empl companies are posting in there. You can work remote anywhere in the country except for Colorado uh, because they don't want to <laughs> post their their wage requ uh, requirements. I mean, right. Hey, we pay between one cent and one million dollars a year. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I actually saw something crazy like that. It said like salary range between one hundred and ten thousand and two hundred and fifty thousand. I mean, if you give them that kind of range, it's so ridiculous. It's it's like no no range at all. Yeah, I just I I don't know those those states. I'm glad I don't have to deal with either. And once upon a time, I had multiple locations in Colorado I was responsible for, and that was enough. We, we, I did not have to deal too much with California, but wow, just, I'm, I'm glad I basically have two states to, that I have to, to work in and neither are, well, one of them's interesting, but the other's okay. <laughs> Keeps it interesting. Yeah, I'm a big fan of HR Pro, so I, I'm, I'm honored to be on your podcast okay. here because I know how tough things are, especially and I'm not going to say the C word, but in the last two years, it's been so <laughs> tough because there's already so many moving parts going mm -hmm. on. And now, you know, we're, we're flying the plane while we're building it. And you guys are calling me and I don't know, necessarily know the answer because, you know, the Department of Labor hasn't given us clarification on, you know, FFCRA, you know, different things like that. It's like it is so tough right now. And, and hopefully we're just starting to get out of it and get Thankfully. back to, you know, the normal toughness where, you know, you have idiots, you know, putting next lacks in the food in the company refrigerator. <laughs> the good <Yeah>. old times. <laughs> yeah. uh, Valentine's uh, Day gift baskets of sex toys going to the Leaving, employees. Waving a bar of soap like on somebody's desk. <laughs> yeah. 
I want those days again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, David, this has been really enlightening and a lot of fun. And I, I really appreciate you coming on board with us and, and speaking, telling us about these cases. I, I definitely want to have you come back again. And also, is there, you know, I mentioned LinkedIn. How are the best ways for people to connect with you? Yeah, probably just on LinkedIn. And, you know, I, I am, I've gotten to the point where I'm a little selective now. I don't accept every single person, <laughs> but you can always follow me. And the reason is because of the algorithm. I, if I have people in all kinds of states and all kinds of careers, then it messes up on, you know, what the algorithm will show me. So I, I really have honed it and I, I pretty much have 5,000 uh, connections and they're all HR pros just in Florida because that's that's what, you know, tends to like the stuff I post. Now, there's some people outside of Florida, but anyone can can follow me. And, you know, you never know. I I, I, I do accept some people out of Florida, but don't be offended if I don't just because it, <laughs> I'm playing the algorithm there. Yep. And I tell you, I love LinkedIn, but I hate their algorithm and what they show you. You know, I might see something today for Happy New Year's and from somebody. It, there's no timeliness. And, oh, I saw this three weeks ago. Why do I need this now? I, I wish it'd be more like Instagram or Facebook and just give me time and say, oh, you're all caught up. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm caught up. I can move on my uh, and stop versus scrolling endlessly to find something new. But anyways, but I do like uh, LinkedIn. But yeah, uh, I've chosen that platform to post on regularly. I try to post almost every day unless I'm in trial or, or depot or something like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm a frequent poster over there. And you know, usually I, I, I my goal is to make you scratch your head. And usually, hopefully, something I post during the week, you're like, hmm, I didn't think about it that way. No, great posts. I, I encourage everybody to follow you on LinkedIn. I, I, it's part of my daily reading. So thank you very much for all you do for HR. And uh, Thank you, Warren and, and Feathers. Absolutely. And next time either of you guys are down here in Florida, especially if it's springtime, I'll take you to a spring training game. Not this year because of the, the lockout. lockout, but maybe next year. There you go. Well, that's maybe something we could cover one day, uh, the, the baseball lockout. I haven't been following it that closely, but I think it's, today, it's was, today was reporting day, I think. Or was supposed to Pitchers be. Pitchers and catchers. Yeah. Reporting. A college oh, baseball. Got college gonna, baseball. College baseball <laughs> is going to rule this year. Uh, yep. Yep. Starting this weekend, we got we got games at East Carolina. So, yay! But uh, I really want to thank you for listening. Please listen, like, subscribe, share your comments. You can support us by following our link tree in our show notes. But thank you once again uh, to David for being our guest. And thank you to the Underscore Orchestra for use of our theme song, Devil with the Devil, and our voice artist, Andrew Kolpa, for our disclaimer. As always, I'm Warren. This is Feathers. And this is David. And if you listen this far, make sure to give these guys a five-star review. <laughs> hey, absolutely. And we're helping you survive HR one what-the-fuck moment at a time.